you're listening to that sober guy podcast on recovery radio living one day at a time for a sober healthy happy life for more information visit www.thatsoberguy.com and now let's start the show this episode of the podcast is brought to you by that sober guy meetings Go to ThatSoberGuy.com, click on the Live Meetings tab, and register for the next online live support group recovery meeting. There's folks from Ireland to Canada to New York to Boston, Washington, back down to California getting in on these meetings. It's a great place to share your experience, your strength, your hope, anything that you got going on and you're just feeling like you want to kick back and listen or you can share whatever's on your mind. So check them out. Today's episode is titled, What is Rehab Like? I thought this was something important that I haven't addressed other than sharing a little bit about what my experience was like in rehab. I think there may be some people out there that are contemplating, do I need to go to rehab? You know, it's it's a question that popped in my head numerous times with my first response always being, fuck no, I don't need to go to rehab. That's for alcoholics. That's for drug addicts. Little did I know that was me. And I, I never would have thought in a million years that I would end up going to rehab. And I did. And it was the best decision that I have ever made in my life. It, it was something that, that changed my life. What it did for me is it allowed me to learn tools to deal with life, to deal with my past, to deal with the present, to come out of my shell and realize that there's other people out there that struggle with the same things and there's help out there. It's okay to ask for help. It's out there. You just got to ask for it. So I went to Azure Acres, which is in Sebastopol, California. I was lucky enough to have Seth who had already been to Azure Acres and he was the one who first recommended it to me when I admitted I had a problem and that I needed help. And so I called I had a hotline lucky enough for my work that I called and I spoke with them. It's a, it's a sort of a employee assistance program. Uh, and I know, you know, many of us aren't, aren't lucky to have that, you know, so there's, there's other outlets where you can find places that offer assistance. The Salvation Army is one of them. I've had, I've had a number of, of friends go through that program and come out on the other side, very successful from it. Uh, that's a free program to my knowledge. There's also other places that will that will sponsor um, participants in getting treatment. You, you just have to do the work to find it. It's out there. I know it is. I've looked for it. Uh, so anyways, I call the EAP program and I tell them I have a problem. I tell them that I, I need help. I can't do it on my own. They ask me a shitload of questions. They go down a long list. Are you suicidal? How much are you drinking? Have you hurt yourself? Have you hurt anyone else? All these weird questions to me at this time, because I'm thinking, no, you know, fuck, I have no, yes, no, yes. You know, your mind's just kind of overwhelmed with these thoughts of, of questioning if I should even be doing this, do I even need this? And, and why, why am I doing this? Do I, I mean, what's, what's the point here? And really questioning what's right and what's wrong, I guess. After going through that process, it took, I believe, two days 
Um, they, had, you know, the they had contacted Azure Acres. They had found out there would be a bed available in two days, and that was that. So my my check in appointment was set for I believe it was a Wednesday. It was September 11th. Those next two days were were very nerve wracking. Very very nerve wracking. I was contemplating not going. I was contemplating if I made the right decision. You know, I, I was feeling a lot of guilt because I was going to leave my wife and my my two year old little girl at the time. You know, she was only two and I was going to have to leave her for 30 days. Now, here's the thing. When I look at it in this perspective, we have, we have many, many men and women who serve our country that leave for, for six months, for years at a time overseas, you know, on, on, on tours of duty, serving our country, putting their lives on the line. So for me to sit here and say, Poor me, I had to leave for 30 days. You know, I kind of feel like a like a jackass even saying that. You know, so I, I want to be clear that I do recognize that, you know, there's there's much worse things out there. And although at this time, you know, the time I was going through this, this seemed like the biggest deal in my life. And it was. It definitely was. It was a very, very big deal for, for myself and my family. Um, and when I put it in perspective now, you know, I'm able to see that that there's much there's much greater things. There's much worse things that could have happened or I could be going through. I could have went through. And those are just things that we learn over time. You know, we look back on them and we were able to put things in perspective. So I, I don't want to lessen the fact that I did have to leave for 30 days, you know, and it, and it was a big deal at the time. It was very hard for my wife. It was very hard for my daughter and it was very hard for me. Um, at the same time, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad it was only 30 days and I'm glad that I got the opportunity to do it. So I'm getting off track here. Let me, let me jump back. We, um, I have to check in on a Wednesday. Okay. To Azure acres. And I, I believe I, you know, the, like I said, those two days were, were very gut wrenching to say the least, just the anticipation of leaving, not knowing what to expect. Now, now Seth and, and and my wife Jess took me out to Sebastopol. I think we got up that morning. I had my stuff packed and ready to go. Um, definitely some anxiety, some butterflies, not knowing what to think, not knowing what to expect. Am I making the right decision? Am I am I am I doing this the right way? Uh, do do I really have a problem? Do I really need this? I mean, that was one other thing that really fucked with my mind was just like it kept telling me that I'm, that I was fine. I didn't need this. Like you don't need to go. So that, that battle between both sides of my, of my head, you know, the, the good side and the bad side was really intense. I remember at that time. So we head out there. I, I get there. They do a whole intake uh, checklist type of thing. You do a little tour of the place. They showed me around a bit uh, with with Jess and and Seth, um, and then you go into office and you sit down and they go over a checklist full of stuff. Have you done any drugs today? Have you drank today? How much have you been drinking in the last uh, you know the last year, say or the last six months? I can't remember what what time period it was. They they basically want to assess the situation on how severe your use is, and and how much you've been doing it, how often. 
Are there any health issues? Are there any mental health issues? Do you think about suicide? All, all of these questions that are very, very deep and personal, they ask you. And that, that to me was a little bit hard to, uh, to answer, not because, not because I, I was afraid really I wanted to lie or anything like that. I just, it, they're just personal. They're your thoughts. It's like, almost like they're getting inside of your mind of your brain. And when I look back on it now, these are the type of things. And, and this happened throughout therapy, throughout my treatment there for 30 days. You know, the, these are the type of things that we need to open our minds up to. And we need to let out to somebody else because that's what fucks us up is we keep these, these, these thoughts, these bad thoughts, these irrational thoughts, thoughts of darkness, of, of, uh, despair, depression, all those types of things. And even the good thoughts too, of the daydreaming thoughts, the wishing, the, the daydreaming of, well, I'm going to do this one day, but then we never act on it. All of those things that are, that are wrapped up in that, that alcoholic addict brain of ours are the things that we get to explore and, and figure out why the hell they go on in our minds in treatment. I get done with the list pretty much that's it. It's time, time to say goodbye. So I, I said bye to my wife and to my friend and uh, they showed me my room. And the first, for the first week you're in a detox room, or I think five days I was in a detox room with four other, four other men who come in periodically because like when I got there the first day I was the new guy. So there was four, four other beds in this room and you know, maybe one guy's on day three of detox and one guy's on, you know, day two and one guy's on day five and then it rotates. So after those few days, now I'm getting ready to get uh, discharged to a regular room after my detox, you know, day is done. I think I detoxed for five days with, with nothing. They, they give you a sleeping pill to help you sleep if you're having any trouble sleeping. Um, and basically it was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least that I mean the first night was I don't think I slept if I did sleep it it wasn't wasn't very much and it was um I had some really weird dreams like just the weirdest fucking dreams that and they say that that's that that's very normal to have these these type of dreams when your brain is kind of thawing out from from the uh from the alcohol from the drugs and from the long period of time of being suppressed by these thoughts. Um, so yeah, that first night was just, I, I, I didn't know what was going on really. I was just kind of fucking lost. I couldn't believe that I was there. I think I, I remember going into the bathroom and just crying and just being like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I here? Why did I do this to myself? This is all my fault. Like I'm such an idiot. If I just would have stopped you know, if I just, I I remember saying that over and over, if I just would have stopped, why didn't I just stop? You know, and looking back now, I couldn't stop. I I just, there was something in me. I couldn't at the time. It was like full throttle pedal to the metal. Let's get it all. Let's get it done. And when I say done, there were some bad thoughts, you know, in those, in those last, those last couple of weeks, couple of months where it was just like, I didn't really care what happened to me. Um, and what a selfish thing with a, with a little girl and a, and a wife and a family who cared about me, who cares about me. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I remember sitting in there and just, just being 
And then, and then, and then it hit me real quick too. Quit being a bitch. Quit being a little bitch. You did this to yourself. You know, here's the other side of my mind working. Now you, you need to sack. I remember saying this too. something like you need to sack the fuck up. You need to stand up, be a man, and you need to face this shit, and you need to get out there, and you need to soak everything in. This is after I'm wallowing and crying for 10 minutes in the bathroom, you know, um, butt-ass naked, I think, because I was, I was about to take, you know, a shower and just, like, fucking just feeble and just weak, right? So the, and, then, and then all of a sudden, boom, the gear shifts, and it's like, you quit being a bitch, you know, and you need to get your shit together. You need to take this as as or you need to take full advantage of this situation that you're in right now you need to take full advantage of this opportunity to live a new life to learn how to deal with life you know to to learn why you're in this predicament in the first place to learn about yourself who are you time to be honest with yourself shane time to figure out who you are i think at that point that may have been the turn for me in actually taking full responsibility for what, you know, what situation I was in and, and that it was only me that put myself there. It wasn't anybody else's fault or problem. It wasn't the world. It wasn't my wife. It wasn't my dad. It wasn't my job. It wasn't my shitty car that I drove. Um, it wasn't the fact of being financially, uh, unstable. It wasn't any of that. It was me and that's it. Only me. And so at this point, you know, going back and forth in the bathroom from crying to, to standing up and saying, get it together, you know, that may have been the, the kind of the turning point that first night there. And so, you know, I, I, I took my shower and I got, I got my, you know, my sweats on or whatever. And I went and slept in this weird fucking place with these weird other people who were, you know, alcoholics and addicts. And, uh, and I guess I was one too, you know, I laid down and I said, well, I guess, I guess I'm one of these guys too. And they're, you know, they're just like me and I'm just like them. So a bit of acceptance there, you know, accepting my situation that I was in and I didn't write that first night, but I, I wrote the second night. So what, what I did today is I pulled out my box of, of stuff from Azure from rehab. And I have a, I have a binder here that's just full of shit from, from when I was in there lessons and counseling sessions and worksheets and writings. And I did a bit of journaling when I was in there, just trying to write about how I felt and the experience and what was going on, because that's one of the tools that, that, um, you know, that, that they teach us is, is when we're able to put a pen on paper and we can write down how we're feeling, it really does help to take away some of the stress and some of the anxiety and some of the problems and issues that we might be facing. So I would definitely recommend that it, it, it worked for me. It still works for me. I still do it. Um, but this first journal entry, and I haven't read any of this yet, by the way, I just want to make that clear. This is the first time that, that I'm hearing it. And this is the first time that, that you're going to hear it. I haven't looked through any of these. I, I seriously, I just opened this shit up. I put it down and I, and I started recording. So this is super raw right now. Um, this is dated nine, 12, 2013. So this is this, this is the day after, after I went in and this is the first entry. 
What an experience so far. I'm only on day two and feel alive again. The place is nice. All the residents were extremely welcoming and I can see some friendships already forming. There are highs, lows, and many emotions in between throughout the day. I feel sadness that I'm here, away from my Lucy and my Jess. I feel happy to know I'm on my way to a new me. I must stay positive. I must find God and I must continue to stay sober. Day two until tomorrow. So that was the first little little writing of of my experience at Azure Acres Treatment Center. Let's move on to 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 day three, I guess. This will be September thirteenth. Woke up to do some meditation exercises in Tai Chi. It was really cool to do with the group and it calmed some of the nerves I had. Starting to work out as much as I can, as in between groups there's not much else to do unless you want to smoke cigarettes and stand around. Also, the NA meeting Thursday night was awesome. Heard many great stories of recovery and life transformation. The friendships I'm making feel real for the first time since I was a kid. I actually give a fuck about what people have to say and feel. It's not just surfaced and drunk talk. I think of my family every day. Part of me wants to go off and isolate myself, but I know that I'm forcing myself to stay surrounded by my housemates to keep my mind busy. I miss you, Jess. I miss you, Lucy, so much. Until tomorrow. 9.14 Today was the first Saturday here. It was hard to see everyone with their families visiting, but also exciting to know Jess and Lucy will be able to be here next weekend. I learned a lot today in both group lectures, both about myself as well as my relationships and family. I'm also learning about the disease behind alcoholism and addiction. It is one ugly motherfucker. I read the first chapter in the AA book tonight and did some homework instead of watching the shitty Ben Affleck movie Argo. I feel good like me again, but also understand that I have a long road, a tough road ahead of me to permanently beat this disease. I don't think it's ever permanently beat, but just want to throw that in there. I remembered today back when I was a kid, maybe eight or so, I would be riding back home from Napa with my dad. I must have been, it must have been summertime when I would stay at my grandma's while he was at work. We were going through Jameson Canyon as he was drinking a beer, driving, telling me, you don't do this. This is bad. But I forgive him. (laughs) Good night, Jess. Good night, Lucy. Good night, Brody. I love you guys. First of all, you're not allowed, when you go in, you're not allowed to talk to anybody for a week. Or maybe it's four days, four days or a week, something like that. I know that my family wasn't allowed to come for the first seven or ten days. And then, yeah, no contact for like the first five days. So that those first five days, like the the things I'm writing that you're hearing right now, it was tough because you you can't even make a phone call to him for a couple of days. And that was, uh, that was difficult. September 15th dreamt about my wife last night. It was so nice to see her beautiful face and feel her presence. I don't think I've had a dream since I've been here or at least that I can remember. I also had a shitty fucking dream right before I woke up. I was at a bar to the left of me was so-and-so. I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to offering me cocaine to the right of me was his wife telling me not to do the Coke, but to take this blue pill. It went back and forth for what seemed like forever until finally I woke up. 
Thank God I'm sober. David's group session was unbelievable and hit a nerve in me. And seeing Debbie's six-year-old little girl reminded me of Lucy and made me break down at one point. But it also made me see I have so much to be thankful for, and I'm so fucking blessed. Played some guitar today. I get to talk to my wife and my Lucy tomorrow. So damn happy. Good night. 916. Talked to Jess, Lucy, my mom, and sis, and Bill today. Felt really good to hear everyone's support. I feel like Jess and I's relationship is going to be better than ever when I get out of here. Mark Lundholm came today. Amazing. Mark Lundholm was amazing. Um, If you haven't heard his episode on the podcast, I don't remember which one it is. I want to say it's nine, uh, nine or 12, somewhere around there. It's Mark Lundholm. The audio quality of it, I had to do it out, you know, when I was out. So I wasn't at home in the studio, but it's still, it's definitely worth listening to. Mark's story is amazing. He was, um, he was a basically homeless on the streets of Oakland, put a, put a gun in his mouth at one point. He was a, a heroin addict, put a gun in his mouth, pulled the trigger and the gun jammed. And from that point on, something changed in him and he went on to become a, a speaker, a professional comedian. And what he does as part of his, his job is he travels around to different treatment centers and he speaks to people in recovery that are in, um, in rehab at the time. So what happened is he came for a day to Azure. It was like the third or fourth, fifth day that I was in there. And he spent the whole day with us there, you know, talking to everyone as individuals and as a group. And it really was amazing. It was cool to connect with him afterwards and have him on, on the show. So if you haven't heard that episode, um, definitely check it out. So this is nine, uh, September 17th. Okay. Day today, Doug told his story today. It was absolutely inspiring and the best life story I've ever heard. It makes me want to be a better man. He is a good man and I will never forget the way he poured his heart out and the respect I have for him. I learned I am a leader today, a role model, someone to look up to. I also learned that God gave me a gift. I'm learning to use it. James is a great counselor, learning a lot from him. I'm really tired, mentally exhausted. Good night. Love you, Jess, Lucy, and Brody. So let me jump up to this one. This is on the 20th, September 20th. Had a bit of a rough couple days. I feel very guilty about leaving Jess back home with all the bills and responsibilities of life. Although I took this into consideration before I decided to come here, it is still pretty difficult to deal to deal with. I know short term it sucks, but I feel the right decision was made and this 30-day sacrifice is imperative in our family's future. I will have to clean up I will have to clean up my mess. When I get home, at least I'll be sober. The balloon release today was cool. I let go of some past negativeness. I let go of some past negativeness. That it was kind of cool. Everyone took a balloon. We wrote some things on the balloon that that we wanted to get rid of and let go, like resentments, um, things that you know, things that we couldn't get over. We wrote them on there, and then we all simultaneously let these balloons go. And it was a cool little experience. Something that um that I I won't forget. Okay, so this jumps up to September 23rd. Seeing Jess and Lucy over the weekend was rejuvenating to say the least. Seth came out on Saturday too, and it was great to see him. And it confirmed, and his, oh wait, what the fuck does that say? I can't even read my own writing. And his continued support, I think it says. Today was good. It's getting a bit easier to feel again. And I truly believe I'm on a path to self-knowledge and self-love. 
I'm learning a lot every day, trying my best to stay focused, but also learning how to have a genuine smile and laugh again. Jess and Lucy look so beautiful. I can finally see just how lucky a man I am when I look at them both. My family and friends have been so supportive. I can't thank them enough. I'm finding my faith again too, and I feel that it's real. Thanks be to God. Good night. Also, my mom has been of great support too. She loves me so much, and I can honestly appreciate everything she has done for herself, my sister, and me. What an amazing mother. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break this up really quick and I wanna give you like a schedule. So this this is I have this schedule I just found here, and then I'll read a couple more entries and, and then and then we'll call it good. But so here here's like a normal day. I still have the Azure Acres daily schedule in the back of this binder, so I wanna just read a normal day. So here's a Monday. Six forty five wake up. Seven thirty book study community meeting. Eight o'clock breakfast. So that book study real quick before the breakfast at 7.30, what it is is everyone met in the room. We all read a piece. We, we read um, On Awakening out of the AA book. And then we usually picked a story out of the NA or the AA book to read. And uh, we all kind of greeted each other. And we woke up all together. And we cleared our minds and we started our day off. We said our little prayer if we wanted to. Uh, and then we had breakfast at 8 o'clock. And then at 8.45 was a room cleaning. So everyone cleaned up and then at nine to nine thirty, see so you, as you go in, you have people coming out. So like the first couple of days I was there, there was a couple of people that it was their last day there. So I only got to spend a day or two, you know, or three with them. And at nine o'clock you had a roast. And so what this was is that that person who was leaving that day sat up in front of the group and everyone, you know, we passed this chip around and everybody in the room got to say their piece to them. You know, hey, I really appreciated your time. I learned from you. You know, whatever it is that that you thought of the person. Then you took a little break, and then at eleven o'clock there was a lecture, and then at eleven thirty there was break, and then at twelve o'clock it was somebody's story. And this was an interesting part of of this experience too, is that every person it went down the list as you came in. Uh, got a chance to share their story. So I heard everyone else's story. And at one point I had to sit up there in front of the whole group, you know, 30 other people that I really didn't know except from being there. Um, And I had to tell my story. I had to tell from the time I was a kid, you know, up to what got me there and, and why I was there. And so that was very, very interesting. It was very difficult thing. At the same time, it was, it was very relieving to let a lot of that stuff out and talk about it. Uh, so there's, there's something about being able to communicate in a group like that, especially with people that you don't necessarily know that really frees you. It really frees your, your, your soul. It, it enables you, it empowers you really. It really does empower you. I know it empowered me. Uh, it gave me the confidence to know that, you know, I can be honest and I can talk about myself and my feelings and be okay with it. Um, so from, from uh, 12 to 1 is the story, and then you got lunchtime at 1 o'clock. You got some free time. You know, free, usually free time, everyone would hang out. A lot of people smoke, you know, out front and, and talk. Um, we'd exercise a little bit. There's ping pong. We'd play some basketball, um, just kind of hang out, clean up, whatever, whatever it is you want to do for a little break time. Then you have your men's and your women's group time, and this would be with a with – one or two counselors and all the men would meet together and we'd all have one big men's group for an hour and there would be a topic and everyone would share on that topic and we would get some group therapy and same with the women they would go off and they would do their women's their women's group time 
Then you got big book, the big book study, and that would be back and forth between AA and NA, the big books, and we'd read some passages out of there. Six o'clock, you have dinner till six thirty. Dinner dinner was good. Always had some good grub. Everyone kind of sat around in the kitchen, was able to talk, meet some new people, talk about why you're there. Um, you know what? And, and don't get me wrong, there's some jackasses in there too. So. For the most part, everyone was pretty cool, but, you know, there's always a couple of dickheads in every bunch. Um, and you find out real quick who those who those ones are and just kind of stay away from them. But in all honesty, there really wasn't many of them. Most of the people in there were pretty damn cool. So you go from dinner, you have some personal time, make some phone calls, do whatever you want, clean up, read, um, work on some homework. You have homework while you're in there. Uh, then you have an AA meeting. And that's at 8 or 8.30. And NA meeting was on Thursdays. So AA meeting every night uh, and NA meeting on Thursdays. And this was a good opportunity, you know, to do this every night, not only to learn, but to really see some new people, some guest speakers and young, old men, women, black, white, didn't matter. You know, just just good, good content. And if you pay attention and you want to learn, then you're going to get that. And and thank God I was able to soak in as much stuff as possible. Then you have break and everyone had a chore, which was good. That rotates throughout the weeks. Um, you know, whether it's mopping the floor, taking the garbages out, cleaning the kitchen up, cleaning the tables up, making coffee. Everyone has a certain chore to, you know, to, to do while you're there. You have closure group, which is probably one of my favorite things uh, throughout the time in in azure and what this was at 10 o'clock it was time to go to bed and you know we dim the lights down in the there's a big room big big open room where all of the meetings take place and the group group therapy and everything takes place in this huge big room um there's chairs there's couches there's um, you know places for for people to to sit obviously so everyone sits around at 10 o'clock we all meet and you go around the whole room and you talk about, you know, just briefly, you say what you're grateful for that day, how you're feeling, or maybe you're pissed off that day and you're not grateful for anything, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully that's not the case, but yeah, everyone has their bad days, you know? And, and so this is an opportunity for everyone to go around and say their little piece before the night is over. And so this was a really, I think this is really where I learned how to, how to kind of open up and, and communicate with other people. And to communicate with myself too. And just these things I'm feeling like it's okay. Like it, something's telling me, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. Like that, no, nah, you shouldn't say that. But no, fuck that. This is really what I'm feeling right now. So I'm going to say it. And I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks or what anybody says. And and this is where I learned to to kind of be okay with doing that. Was in this in this group, um, closure group at you know 10 o'clock right before bed. So really, really a great experience. Something that I'll never forget also is going around this room and hearing everyone's piece on, on what they had thought for the day, what they had learned, what they took away, how they were feeling. Were they happy? Were they sad? Were they mad? You know, and then getting a chance myself to do that. And then lights out at 11 o'clock and you go to your, your, whether what stage you're in your detox room or your, your bedroom, you might have a, a roommate. I had Steve who was a really, really cool, cool guy. Um, you know, he was a bit older than me, had a family, a couple girls, you know, just the funny thing is, is this disease does not discriminate. 
you know, and, and my roommate, Steve, was, you would have never known seeing the guy on the outside that, that he was an alcoholic, that he had a problem. He had his shit together. He made good money. He had a damn good job. I think he was an engineer. He worked for a huge construction company, um, had a beautiful wife, you know, beautiful girl at home. And, and he was a drunk. He was a straight drunk. When he came in, he was a fucking mess. I think he came in two days after I did. And he was an absolute mess. And, and he was drinking, you know, at work and he was just a mess and, and you would have never known it because that's what happens with this disease is it, it's very, it's very Machiavellian. It's very, it's very hidden. It's easily able to disguise itself and, and, and make you believe that you don't have a problem and make others believe that they don't have a problem. And make others believe that you don't have a problem, if that makes sense. Okay, so I found one of these entries that was really important to me. And I just, I just remembered writing this. And it's, it's so crazy that I'm reading this right now because I haven't really thought about this since. And um, my, my grandma and I were really, really close when I was a kid. And she really, she really I feel like, raised you know, me and my sister and my cousin when we were young in the early years of our life, like she was really just like, she was the one that was there all the time. We spent a lot of time with her and she passed away when I was in ninth grade, I think. And so this entry that I wrote, um, it's, let me just read it. It's it's September 25th. It says, I had a dream that I found Lucy laying at the bottom of a pool. I dove in to save her. And as I brought her up, she began to cough and come back to life. I yelled to a lady sitting in a chair, call 911, only to realize the lady in the chair was my grandma, Pat. Then I woke up. I was relieved it was a dream, but puzzled and sad I couldn't hug Lucy. Weird. So that was the entry, and and when I was able to comprehend what that dream meant, at least what it meant to me, it really hit home with me. And what that dream meant to me is that by the decisions I was making, by the choices I made, by the path that I was going down, I was drowning my, my family. I was drowning my daughter. I was drowning my wife. I was drowning everything. I wasn't appreciative for what I had had. And my grandma was there, I feel like, telling me, like, wake the fuck up. Like, you're doing the right thing. You know, you're doing the right thing right now. And I'm here with you. My spirit's here with you. And I was able to save Lucy in the dream. You know, she came up and she came back to life. And I feel like that was because I had got my head out of my ass. And, you know, it was time to make a change for our family's future. And I'm so, so, so glad and blessed that I got that opportunity because today is unbelievable. Everything that I'm telling you right now, everything that I'm reading you is is all coming back. And it's all coming full circle to this moment right now. Of, of where I've been able to come since then. And it was definitely the best decision I've made. So if you're contemplating it, if you're going back and forth and you're thinking, I don't know, if you're thinking that you might have a problem, you probably do. And if you're thinking that you need help, you probably need help. So don't be afraid to go ask for it. Don't be afraid to, to seek it out and find it. Because I can assure you it'll change your life if you commit to it and you do it. I hope you enjoyed some of my thoughts and I hope this gives a better understanding to you of what rehab is like. Um, Let me just flip through here really quick and see if there's anything else. The last, I mean, the last 
entry I have in here. I, I started, I didn't write every day, it looks like, after this. Uh, but it says on the 8th, getting close to going home, two days to go. Andrew left today, which was a good buddy that I met in there. I hope Andrew's doing well if he hears this. I wish him the best and pray he succeeds. He asked me to play White Trash Beautiful to send him off. Pretty cool. I got to play a little acoustic for Andrew, uh, the Everlast song, White Trash Beautiful. He wanted that one as as his send-off song. Um, something that came up recently, too, was my send-off song that my counselor James played by Rodney Crow, A Song for the Life. And what a damn cool song that was. It's been a long Long roller coaster to say the least, but definitely as I contemplated, if I was making the right decision, I can, I can 100% say today that yes, it was the right decision. And that sacrifice that my wife had to make and, and, um, you know, my daughter had to make and that I had to make and us as a family had to make was really the best or one of the best decisions that, um, that we've ever made. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It helps rank the show. You can check out That Sober Guy meetings at thatsoberguy.com and the live meetings tab. If no one's told you they love you today, I love you. Peace, love, peace, love. This has been another episode of That Sober Guy podcast on Recovery Radio with Shane Raymond. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com or you can email Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy a sober, healthy, happy life.